Well, good morning, y'all. Glad to have you all here. Uh, You may have noticed we are very picky about who we let in to uh, speak on a Sunday morning, which may leave you all wondering how it is that I got in. (laughs) I I was actually grandfathered in, so I probably wouldn't make the cut these days, you know. But uh, usually, to be honest with you, it's friends of mine who have been vetted over uh, many glasses of wine and dinners (laughs) that uh, I uh, have figured out that these are good people. And so today is no exception, and you can read in the program uh, all the accolades about this man, but... um, I think the main thing that I want to say is that I love this guy. He's a close friend of mine. Uh, He has just this incredible spirit and a great heart for Jesus. And so please help me welcome Rudy Rasmus. Hey, yo. What's up, man? So how's everybody in Elgin doing today? All right. Oh boy, man, it's good. It's good to be with you. Thank, thanks for coming, coming to church. Uh, thank, thanks for not uh, turning around, going to your cars when you uh, when you heard I was preaching. <laughs> all right, I mean, I mean, I mean, all of that. I've been trying to figure over the last uh, over the last service. I've been trying to figure if I can uh, get that Marshall amp on my carry on right there. <laughs> but it's good to be here. I, you know, uh, on the way out here, man. So, so Darren kind of tricked me. He said, man, the church is like right, right down the street from, from O'Hare. <laughs> what? Man, this is the Canadian border, man. I ain't, that, dude, that dude was driving yesterday. Bud, Bud was driving yesterday. And, and I'm thinking, this don't feel good. I think I'm being abducted. All right. You know, because, you know, at some point along the way, uh, like, all forms of life stop. By 20, mile, 20, mile, by tw- 20 minutes out, um, you look around, and you're saying, I'm being kidnapped. All right, yeah. <laughs> but it is good to be. I, on, when, I, when, I, when we got to the hotel, I, I looked over, and I was hungry. And, uh, and I am a man of faith. That's my beard hitting the mic. I am a man of faith. And uh, somebody clapping over there. That's good. So I looked over and I saw that Chipotle. And I said, let's go over there and get something to eat. And I, got, I, I took it back to the hotel. And, and just to be on the safe side, I called my wife. And I told her what I had just eaten. And I slept like this last night. That's my receipt from the Chipotle, all right? It's just, <laughs> but yeah. But I'm here this morning, just in case I uh, woke up with uh, taco shells hanging out my mouth. But uh, so, so this is the this is the late crowd, yeah. And and you guys slept late, so you were arrested. Uh, I'd like to get uh, just some, before I, before I start preaching, because there's a difference between preaching and telling the truth. Um, I'd like to get a, uh, just a point of business out of the way. Uh, you know, when I, when I meet people for the first time, I move around a lot. I, uh, I do about 100,000 miles a year and just kind of all over the place. And when I meet people for the first time, there's always a question on their minds and hearts. And I'd like to get that question out of the way before I start 
before I start telling this story. So if you will, just look at the person sitting next to you. I'm going to get this question out loud, all right? Look at the person sitting next to you and just say, what in the heck is that under his chin, all right? Can you do that? Because I caught, uh, I, caught, I caught some of y'all staring. <laughs> I like it when, uh, when the, the bold ones, the bold ones will just come up and grab it, all right? It's just... <laughs> That's kind of weird, but that's a, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a filter. An F-I-L, an F-I-L-T-E-R, a filter. And what does it do? It's, it's like a detector. It helps me detect judgmental people at a safe distance, all right? Gives me a, uh, kind of gives me uh, entree. Man, you know, you know, but around the planet, around the world, it has been sort of a um, uh, uh, really, really, uh, a ground leveler and, and from, from India and all points in between. But, uh, but man, it's good to be with you today. I thank you for, for really the opportunity, Pastor. Uh, thank you all for, for just getting, getting me here. Uh, I, um, uh, I serve a church in, in downtown Houston, Texas uh, with my wife. We started 24 years ago. As a matter of fact, this is our 25th year, 25 years ago. We started about nine people uh, in 1992, and, and that church has, has grown to about 8,000 people over the last 25 years, and, and every now and then we can find about 2,500 of them from time to time, but this is a fascinating journey. I'm actually at the, you know, getting ready to transition. I'm at the sort of the end of, of one phase of this journey in ministry, and, and really thinking about what What's next? And uh, you, you're with, that, with me on that, on that journey as well. And I, and I thank you for praying for us as we, uh, as we continue uh, to move, move through. Uh, I want you to do me a favor. I love the sound of uh, church people lying to each other. So I uh, want you to do me a favor. Look at the person sitting next to you. You might not have looked at them in a couple hours. Look at them and, and say, I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Give it a try, all right? Yeah. Like music to my ears. This morning, I want to just just chat real real briefly uh, on on um, on a subject near and dear to my heart, uh, and that subject is love. I wrote a book, my third book, that came out last year, and it was titled "Love Period," and and I wrote a, I wrote a book about unconditional love. Um, and I realized after the book was released that I was extremely presumptuous around people's interpretation of unconditional love. Uh, now, once the book was, was released, I started traveling, touring with the book, uh, only to discover one of the most difficult concepts uh, in the human condition, in the human family, is the, the willingness to love the person in front of you without a, uh, without a pre determined agenda. As a matter of fact, my, uh, my favorite definition of love is to allow the person in front of me to be who or what they choose for themselves without any insistence that they meet my expectations. That's, you all right over there? Uh, just checking, man. <laughs> just checking. It's all good. So we do indeed, uh, as, we, as we take this journey, uh, as, we, as we move out, 
uh, on this, on this journey of unconditional love. I want to read a passage of scripture found in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 29, and it reads, but he wanting to justify himself to Jesus. This was a young scholar said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which one of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the young scholar said, he who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. But my, my topic just for these next few minutes is just cross the doggone street. Just cross the doggone street. You know, when I think about this, uh, uh, this moment where we are sharing this, this, this morning, some of the most beautiful art I've ever seen in the world, uh, some, some of the, the most visually appealing experiences I've encountered in the art world were moments that were woven together from, from objects that were previously thrown, thrown, thrown out, that, 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 were, that were used for uh, really, really, really garbage. But someone saw the, uh, the, the beauty in those objects and, and and allowed the, 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 the beauty in those objects to come together, lit, literally woven together to become a beautiful work of art. I believe in rooms like this today, in this room, we have been woven together through our narratives. And each and every one of us has a narrative, a, a story a journey that, that, that brought us to this place. It was something about each of our lives that, that, that connected us here in Elgin. Of all the places in the world to be. And imagine this. Here we are this morning, connected by one thread. And that thread is Jesus. You know, think about the, uh, the, the fact that that, that I am recruiting weavers. And those are, are people who are, are willing to, to, to merge culture and, and blend perspectives and, and, and to interface hearts and knit relationships together. In, in my travels around, around the planet, 
Uh, I've met some incredible people. And, and, and the one thing that I have learned in, in all of my travels is that the world is really a small place. I mean, a really small place. I think about the fact that, that, that from, 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 from the, the, the far east to the, to the far west, love has the same definition. From, 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 from as far north as I've been to the, the furthest south I've been, people experience pain, trauma, suffering in all of the same ways. When I think about the fact that, that here we are today, I realize that God, as the master weaver, created uh, in us uh, a, a, a story. Through, through every complexion, every hue, every experience, every background, here we are today sharing this moment. We are woven together through this narrative. And in the midst of being woven together in this narrative, I, I realize that, 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 that we are definitely all products of a narrative. And sometimes society will be a, a co-conspirator in enforcing even, even negative aspects into our narrative. Yes. You know, I think about my own story. This has been quite, quite the journey. In a couple of months, I'll be turning 60, and, I, and I'm, I've been reflecting uh, here lately like never before. I've been reflecting on, on, on how and what a blessing it is to be alive. To, to never imagine living as long as I have lived, but to still be alive today. This, this eight-year-old kid. Isn't that beautiful? As a matter of fact, I was telling the earlier service, I said, God is in the healing business. You know, you know how I know? You see, you see his teeth right there? You see that gap in those teeth? Jesus healed at those teeth right there. <laughs> healed them. I just asked my mama, now, mom, now did, didn't I have some, some glasses of my own instead of putting dad's on me? <laughs> All right. Look how big those glasses are. But that's an eight-year-old Rudy. And, and, and that eight-year-old Rudy um, uh, experienced life in a very, very unique way. I grew up in a, in a very challenging home, a very, 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 very challenging home. And, uh, and in the midst of the, the challenges, uh, society had also uh, imported something into my narrative. So, so this guy uh, drank from a separate water fountain marked colored only until he was 12 years old. Used a separate restroom, used the back door to some, some retail establishments, sat at the back of the bus. And when I think about how this, this kid interpreted God in that moment, it was really challenging for me to go to church because, you know, I, I, was, I was looking for, for God to, to, to give me an answer at 8 and 9 and 10. But there was one place that I loved to go. I had my mom take me there every week. And it was the Houston Zoo. And why the Houston Zoo? Because there was a fountain in the Houston Zoo. One fountain. It was a lion. The lion head fountain. And I loved the Houston Zoo because the li- there was only one lion head fountain in the zoo. And guess what happened at that lion head fountain? Every kid from every race lined up at that one fountain. 
I would leave the zoo. I would go back to church and I wonder, now, the zoo's got it worked out. <laughs> but what's happening with the rest of the world? You know, this kid, this kid is hyperactive, attention deficit, and yes, I'm still hyperactive and attention deficit, all right. <laughs> This kid also had questions. The, 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 the negative aspects of my narrative uh, were, 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 were reinforced over and over again. And, and ultimately, I, uh, I began to, to, to wonder, was that the way it was supposed to have been? But never in my spirit could I settle down with the, the, the reality that, that the world was really that cruel. I, I could never find uh, a common place for, for, for the experiences uh, of, of this, this kid. So along the way, I always looked to create a new narrative. You know, as we talk about weaving today, uh, the, the, real, the real goal of, of this short talk is to, to encourage each of us to create a, a, a new narrative, a new story. We have that power. Regardless to the narrative that was handed to us, we have the power today to create a new narrative. You know, the W, and this is an acrostic, W-E-A-V-E-R. The W in this, in this weaver is wisdom. In the midst of creating our, our own new narrative, there's something that we have to put in, into perspective. And, 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 and wisdom is the integ- integration of knowledge, experience, and it requires discernment. And most of all, tolerance for the unexpected. Wisdom. When I think about wisdom, I, uh, I'm always, uh, always uh, uh, confronted by my, uh, my wife of 31 years who has been telling me for a long time that, 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 that there is a, um, there is a, a, a difference uh, between possessing wisdom, Rudy, and being an asshole. All right, there is. <laughs> and, and I'm getting there. But what I do realize is that in the midst of, of looking at, at our current state of affairs, uh, when, when this young man asked Jesus, who was my neighbor, he was wise. But the question was loaded with an agenda. Because in the midst of that, that question, you know, think about this. There, there, were, there were 613 statues, um, literally, uh, in the Torah uh, that, 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 that the, the community, the Jewish community, lived with every, every day. 613. Imagine uh, in the midst of your day, you're thinking, now was that number 426 or was that number 319? And just early in this text, Jesus, uh, in, in this conversation with this young man, uh, had, had, had really, uh, the, the guy had challenged him on, on which of these laws is the most important out of, out of the 613. And Jesus said, uh, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor like you love yourself. But, but Jesus knew something. Jesus knew that, that you cannot give what you don't have. And it w- would be impossible for this young man to love his neighbor if he didn't have love for himself. 
Well, in the midst of this, this conversation, uh, I know uh, uh, the conversation content, continued because the young man asked Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? Jesus, with wisdom, kicks in and says, you know what? There was a story. And a man was beaten down on the road. And, and the religious professional saw the man beaten down on the road and went the other way. And then... Uh, here, here comes the, uh, the, the person from the community, the Levite, who sees the man beaten down on the road and walks the other way. And then Jesus flips the script on this young brother and brings the hero literally from the hood and says, but the one who stopped was the one you can't stand. You see, there was, there, was, there was great tension between, between uh, Jews and Samaritans. So for Jesus to, to import a, a Samaritan as the hero in this text uh, really, really challenged, and, and he knew it would challenge the young man because along the way, the goal here is to weave a new narrative. You see, see Jesus, throughout the scriptures, always helped people define a new story for themselves. Think about this, this, uh, this E in, in weaving. Uh, it's empathy. You, you know, if you look at empathy, we realize that, that, that empathy to a weaver is like CPR training uh, to, a, uh, to a, a rescuer. It's impossible to, uh, to, to, to render uh, CPR without getting close to the person who is suffering. It's impossible to, to empathize without ultimately walking in that person's shoes mentally. When I think about empathy, I, I'm reminded that, that there is that's some great depth in this conversation. Uh, but at the, at, the, at the core of this conversation uh, is what is uh, your internal critic saying to you? And we all have an internal critic. I mean, we, we all have that, 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 that voice, that, 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 that voice in our heads that said, why, why did you do that? Or why did you do it like that? Or why did you say that? Or, or look at you. Internal critic. And, and how is that internal critic de- determining what your narrative is going to be in life? I think about my, uh, my, my own journey, and, and I, I, I don't know if y'all know that, this, but I am 5'6". Uh, uh, my driver's license, say five seven. <laughs> because one day I went to get my license renewed. I did, and 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 and, and the guy on the other side of the counter uh, uh, asked me uh, how much do you weigh, and I told him. And then, next the next question, blew me away. He said, "How tall are you?" And I'm thinking, "Yeah, man, I, I'm thinking I feel five ten. All right, today. <laughs> today, this feels like a five ten day. But I said five seven. All right, and on my driver's license today, five seven. Yeah, because somewhere along the way, the internal critic, you know, on this journey, one day had me wearing. These joints here. I got them from Marco. Ru- <laughs> I got those from Marco Rubio. 
1971. He wasn't even born in 71, was he? But I used to have a pair of those. Can you imagine running in those? <laughs> Them joints were like, they were, they were amazing. Amazing. I, I had a pair just like that. When, when, I, when, I, was, when I was looking, looking for, the, uh, for the platform shoe and that picture popped up, I felt this warm feeling go through my heart. All right? I mean, like, yo, those are mine. But here's the deal. So along the way, the internal critic told me that I needed to be three inches taller. Right? At some point. Until I got comfortable with me in my own skin and my own truth. The V in, in this weaving is veracity, and the other word for veracity is truth. And the question is, are you living your truth? I have challenges. I am one challenged brother. I'll tell you the source of my biggest challenge. Eight years ago, my 18-year-old, who was three when I started in ministry, asked me to take her that particular day to her therapist appointment. And at one point, the therapist came out and, and, and said, uh, uh, Rudy, can you come in? And uh, I walked into the therapist's office, and, and I saw my daughter there. I have two daughters. Today, they're 28 and 29 years old. And I walked into that office, and, and I, uh, I saw her. She was sitting in the chair crying. And I knew immediately something was wrong. The therapist told my daughter, she said, okay, tell, you can tell your dad. She began to tell me how she was molested when she was four. By my former brother-in-law. And how over the last 14 years she had concealed that occurrence for one reason because she knew that if I knew someone had hurt her that I was going to get them you know um, it's been eight years of therapy for me two years I was completely homicidal. Imagine this. You go to church every Sunday. You step on the platform like this. A couple thousand folk right there in front of you. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, if I could just find him today. And that was my life for two years, almost three years. The last four or five years have been pretty cool. I only bumped into him one time, accidentally, on the street. He was crossing the street. He was a lawyer. He was crossing the street by the courthouse, and I was in my truck. And, and, and 
I drive a big truck. <laughs> and I'm thinking in this moment, is this a test or is this a blessing? That's what I'm thinking in the moment, all right? <laughs> because all I can think about in that very moment is, man, if my foot could just slip off the brake pedal. You know what I called my daughter when he, he walked on by? Called my daughter, and I said, hey, Ryan, guess who I just, who just walked in front of my truck? And she said it immediately. You know what she said next, though? He said, that's good, Daddy. He's still walking. He said, because I would have hate to have lost twice. See, I understand that. So in my narrative, there are some, some truths. In all of our narratives, are truths. The, the challenge in our narratives is how much of that truth can we embrace? I know it's difficult to embrace it all at once. This is a journey. But hey, a good report, a good report. You know, you hear bad news all the time. I hear bad news every day in my work. But here's good news. So these two little girls, they were four and five when this happened. Um, I didn't find out until they were 18 and 19. Uh, both entered college and psychology. Uh, the, uh, the one that it happened to today is a, uh, is a psychiatrist. After finishing med school, she went on and did a residency in, in psychiatry. And, and, and guess what her focus is? Women's issues, the challenges of abuse. The other sister, who experienced what we ultimately learned was survivor's guilt. Guess what her, where her journey has taken her? She's working on a PhD in psychology. Now, some people will say, because they grew up with a nutcase like me, that they're both in the mental health field, all right? <laughs> but, the, but the reality is, they've learned along the way the power of determining their own narrative. As I wrap up, there is danger in a single story. You know, you, you think about the, you think about how many people live shut away from everything tough in the world. And how a narrative can develop out of that, and that narrative becomes the, the, the truth in the world. And there's always danger in a narrative from a single story. That's why I encourage people everywhere I go, you know, begin to own, embrace, follow the story you were purposed to live. Think about this this journey that we're on, and, and engaging is the E. And as we weave a, a new story for ourselves, separate from the one we were inherited, the, the one we were handed through inheritance, we must begin looking to see how it impacts our present and our purpose. 
and how we can use this new narrative to change the world around us. The R is release, and the, the, the release for me is to release to love and to be loved. You know, think about the, uh, the fact that, as a matter of fact, I love this. Ruth, Ruth Barton, in her book, Pursuing God, um, says that the, the spiritual journey can be understood as movements from seeing God nowhere to seeing God only where we expect to see God to ultimately seeing God everywhere, especially where we expect to see God the least. That's my story. In the midst of this, this moment, I see Jesus using uh, the underdog in the story as a model for this young lawyer. He said, so which one is the neighbor? The young man ultimately said, the one who showed mercy. And then Jesus, he drops the mic when he says, and go and do likewise. So my friends, today, as challenging as as the world is around us. The beauty in this opportunity is what happens when we cross the street. To engage the person uh, that would least expect an encounter with us. That's when the world really begins to change. I see the, I see the world change every day around me. Just as a result crossing the street. May not be a physical street. May be a mental, emotional street. But know this. God is on the other side waiting on you. God bless you.